people are just uh, at home are just going to have to pick up on that where I've started. What's harder, I think, is to actually look beyond your own sphere of influence because it's so easy when we think about pain and suffering to internalise and say, this is my pain, this is my suffering, this is what, what my life has looked like. Uh, maybe the ones of your loved ones, your family around you, but it only takes a moment, switch on the telly, turn on the radio, look on Facebook, it's miserable. It's a really tough world that we live in, isn't it? And I'm not trying to be depressing, but we are living in broken times. We're living in a broken world. I think some of the saddest things is when you think about the pain and suffering around children, the pain and suffering around the vulnerable. How about the pain and suffering in the church? Caused by the church or people in the church? I'm not looking at anyone specifically. But maybe you've been hurt by what somebody said or a rejection. Uh, I know certainly in my family history we have some of that. Um, and my stepfather, who you all met when I, when I was set in, uh, is still sadly not walking with the Lord because of something that happened in a church. I've spoken to a lot of new believers recently and I found it incredibly helpful. I'm not even on my notes yet. Sorry, it's going to be a long one, guys. Um, that's not at all. But when I've been talking to new believers and, and they've been coming up against those first challenges with other people, I've had to break down the difference. And I, I was sharing this with somebody even yesterday. The difference between your, your perfect relationship with God your relationship with the word of God and your relationship with the church and fellow believers. Now these are all new relationships. If you're a new believer, you've, you've got your external relationships, you've got your family relationships already. But these are new relationships. And of course, because of that perfect, I'm going to use a, a big word, agape love. Okay, I'm going to explain that in a minute, but we'll just call it perfect love for now. Because of that perfect love that new believers encounter with God, they then apply it to the other two relationships. And I'm sorry to say it just doesn't work like that because as soon as you get into the relationship with the word, it's open to interpretation. It's open to almost the, the dirtiness of mankind who's preaching it to you. Which commentary are you writing, reading? Who are you talking to? What, what influence has your life had on what you're reading? Sometimes you can read... <laughs> I could use some really long words now. But sometimes you read the believing that you want onto a scripture. And sometimes you can draw out a meaning from a scripture that you want to be true, as opposed to reading it for the reason it was written. Does that make sense? So it's a bit technical, I know. But if I have a worldview, a world opinion on a certain issue, I can read the Bible and make the Bible tell me that that's what I want to believe, and therefore what I want to believe is right, and therefore you lot are all wrong. Sometimes I can read the Bible trying to find something that I want it to say. And that's dead easy too. You can find a lot of what you want to say in the Old Testament sometimes. Or read in isolation, splendid isolation. Just read a verse rather than a book, rather than the whole Bible. And you'll find something that will strengthen your argument to whatever point you want to make. pain and suffering it's a broken world we have a Jesus we have a way out we have a saviour we have a hero the good guy in the story right and he's not a big giant green monster and he doesn't have a hammer for those of you who like Marvel like me he doesn't look like a superhero like that he was a superhero that came like a little baby yeah we celebrated it at Christmas I think to deny pain and hurt and heartache 
in ourselves or in others is a waste of time. I think it's time as a church, as a family, we got real. And we started to say to ourselves, you know, I'm still hurting. This person said this. Or my mother was like this. Let's use real examples, guys. Let's not get, let's not get unreal about these things. Maybe we've been hurt by something that's happened in this church. Maybe we've been hurt by something that's happened in a previous church. Maybe it's an ex-relationship. Maybe it's a relationship that you're currently still in. But to deny it is useless. As Christians, we can sometimes fall foul of telling our non-Christian believers that somehow your life will become perfect if you become a believer. And that's nonsense too, isn't it? We all know that because there's not a single person here with a perfect life. (laughs) And I'm at the front of the queue, guys. My life ain't perfect. I once heard somebody say in an argument, it's an apologetics argument really, but if you want to tell me that God doesn't exist, it doesn't eradicate the pain, the suffering, the hurt and the brokenness in the world. It just means that all of that is there for no reason, no end and no healing, no reconciliation. If you tell me there is a God, it doesn't eradicate the world's pain and suffering. But it does mean that there will be healing and restoration. It does mean that there will be an end and it does mean that there will be a point. I went on Facebook before I came to church today, as I do when I've got a few minutes to kill, and I saw a brilliant post of a fantastic preacher I follow called Daryl Tunningley. Daryl Tunningley was an armed robber and came to know the Lord whilst in prison. I heard him at a youth conference speak once and immediately had to like his, uh, his Facebook post, and he's just stepped out and planted a church. But he did one of these things on his Facebook post today. We put hashtag WWJU. And if any of you have been a Christian for more than five minutes, you know that there's a phrase, WWJD. We used to wear the wristbands, right? Wear the T-shirts. You've heard of, what would Jesus do? We gave them to all of our teenagers and assumed that that would save them. Because, of course, when you're just about to do something naughty with a cigarette or a spliff or your girlfriend, you look at your wrist and go, well, no, Jesus wouldn't do this. Um, of course you just took it off and did it anyway that's what teenagers do so I thought oh Daryl you've got it wrong you've typed it's a typo WWJD mate not WWJU and I thought well hang on no this guy's got a bit of a following I think if he'd made a mistake someone else would have pointed out so I googled it and it's a, it's a fresh expression it's a, new, it's a new thing it's not what would Jesus do anymore and uh, uh, man it fit with what we're talking about today it's what would Jesus undo today what a beautiful question to ask let me ask you I hope I'm not plagiarising anyone I have to pay somebody some royalties at some point over this but let me ask you a question if you looked at your life today what would Jesus undo are we talking time machine stuff are we talking Doctor Who can I go back with my magic screwdriver and make it all better for you no I can't And Jesus ain't going to do that either. But he can make it better. Can't make it go away. Can't undo it, literally. But he can undo the effects of it. Maybe you're holding a hurt, a heartache, some sort of pain. And this is going to be controversial to some of you because some of you are going to really hate me for saying this. Do you know the biggest problem when we pray for healing for somebody is that they don't want to be healed especially when it comes to this stuff I don't know why but maybe they hold on to it 
to cut it. Maybe they hold on to the, the pain. Maybe it's a comfort blanket. What would Jesus undo? As I said, I've spoken to a lot of unbelievers recently. And one of the things I talk about and I enjoy talking about is um, what do you think happens when you die? And everyone says, well, I'm not a believer, so I'm nothing. I'm just going to rot and the worms will eat me brains and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then they often say to me, but Adam, you're a Christian, aren't you? So you'll go to heaven. And especially if they've like a prodigal, you know what prodigals are, the ones that walked away from the church. I like to trip them up and I go, yeah, but only temporarily. Because there's something after heaven. There's a new world. There's a new heaven. You will have a new body. And I don't know why as churches we don't preach on this stuff very often. But I think we should. Because there is a time when the pain and the suffering and the brokenness will come to an end. And we will live in a new creation, in resurrected bodies, with no cancer. With no murderers. With no rapists. With... Let's not go any deeper than that. Let's try and keep it light. It's Sunday morning after all. But although we're not there yet, 1 Corinthians 15 says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves to fully work for the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. What does that look like? Well, I've broken it into three. You'll be pleased to know I'm not going to talk to you about one and two. One and three, I'm only going to talk to you about two. But our journeys are going to look a bit like this. You're going to be bought with a price. There's about 15 references in the New Testament to what Jesus did to us being bought for a price. He died for our sin, the blood of the Lamb. I can use all sorts of words, whatever you want to call it, but you were chosen by Jesus and he paid for you. So you're bought with a price. John 3.16, most famous Bible verse ever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that forever believes in him. You know, you know the one, right? You were bought with a price. Point number three is you were bought for a purpose. That's really simple. A couple of weeks ago we did this, right? Do you remember this? We emailed everybody and we sent you a copy. Said, what was God calling us to do in 2019? It was a list of Bible verses that started off with that one there. They said, in praying and preparing for our speak on Sunday gathering on 6th of January, the prophetic statement came as an encouragement to look forward. Do not be obsessed with what was or what you've always done. That is your past. Do not concern yourself with what you are not. Do not build up good ideas or strategy around yourself with research or statistics, great ideas or programs, but concern yourself with the Holy Spirit and God's call on your life and the plan he has for this church and this town. The Holy Spirit impressed on me some Bible verses. I'm just going to blast through this. I'm not going to read it all to you, honestly. It says he will build his church. So we are called to be his witnesses. We are called to disciple and make disciples. We are called to serve the poor. We are called to serve the sick. We are called to give our first fruits. That means our best. We are called to be in community. We are called to honour and serve one another. Matthew 23 says the least shall be the greatest. The best community and family is one that looks to raise one another up. Not fight for position or status or attention or importance. 
Think about John 13 when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. We are called to worship Luke 4. Let's worship him with song and instrument, with voice and harmony, with our living sacrifice, with our money, our time, our attitude. We are called to give him our own. There is another stuff, but if you need it, I'll send you another copy. But that's point number one and point number three. Today I want to point to number two. Is if you were bought for a price and you were bought for a purpose, there's got to be something in the middle. Now it could have been, God could have chosen to do this at the flip of a switch. I'll buy you for a price and I'll use you for a purpose. And actually I guess in his world, in his existence, it is like a flicker of a switch because a thousand years will be like a second to him. For us it's called our life. We often refer to it as our journey, don't we? That sometimes God will heal you in our heartbeat of certain issues. And other times it will take a lifetime. Last week I just, Glenis caught my eye. And remember Glenis' testimony last week about the cancer. And we go, hallelujah. But here's the preacher stood in front of his in his suit. And you'll all be pleased to know this is not my new dress code. This is simply because I am so blessed to now be full time in the church. I don't have enough casual clothes. I've run out. So I've had to start wearing my business stuff to meetings and everyone's going, I have no clean clothes. I'm sorry. I, I will get to the shops at some point. At some point. But here he is, the preacher at the front in the suit with the recorder and the microphone going, yeah, but for every one person I've seen healed of cancer, for every one person I've seen healed from a respiratory disease, I've seen ten that weren't healed. Oh, I wish I could tell you why. I wish I could tell you how, and I can't. It doesn't damage my faith, that, because I did see the one who was healed. So I know he can heal. I just can't understand why he doesn't all the time. But we're on a journey. And um, to make this preach as light as possible and to, to really plagiarise a really good friend of mine in America, he says, Ricky, when you're trying to make a really important point, use less words, use more scripture. Let the Bible do the heavy lifting. So I'm going to read you three very, very short stories, okay? Has this gone off now as well? Okay. Um, I'm going to read you three very short stories. All three of them are going to be incredibly familiar to you. If one of them ministers to you, I want you to do something today. I want you to make a heart choice. You might need to make the head choice first, like Nicky Gumball did. But you need to make that heart choice, that relationship choice. To say, Lord, today I'm going to surrender that pain, that hurt, that heartache. And I want you to heal me of this today. If you don't feel able or if you feel like there's something holding you back, maybe you've got a question, I want you to come and see somebody. A few of us will linger around the front. Okay, maybe we can pray with you. Maybe we can stand with you. God called us to be in community for a reason. We're a family. We're not a business. We're not an organization. Maybe you're going through something that might take a little bit of time to be healed. Maybe it's an emotional pain. Maybe it was an abuse. Maybe it was a misuse. But maybe we can help you just by being your friend. We can pray with you. We can support you. Let me read those three stories to you now. The first one is in Luke 8, 43 to 48. 
although Julie did ask me if she could share today. She never gave me any details. She just said she wanted to share about her son. But this is the story of the woman who bled for 12 years and there was no hope. I'm not a, uh, a physician, I'm not a doctor, I'm also not a woman. <clears throat> so I don't really pretend to imagine what that must have been like. Hell on earth, the fear. I mean, if I had a pain that didn't go away for 12 years, whatever that pain may be, I could pain in my shoulder, that would worry me. But to actually bleed, bleeding is, the doctor said, once said to me, bleeding is your body's way of saying there's something wrong. Sort it out. I went to the doctor about something, he was bleeding, and he went, yeah, you did the right thing. It's nothing serious, I'm okay, it was a long time ago. But he said, you did the right thing, because blood is the way of your body's way of telling you something's wrong. And a woman having an issue of blood for 12 years, which had spent all of her life living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the, motor, the multitude thronged thee and passed thee. And, do you know what? I've copied the wrong version here, haven't I? Has anyone got a copy of the message? Can I have good news? Thank you. I'll teach you not to proofread these notes before I send them. King James, beautiful book. That's a lot better. When Jesus returned to the other side of the lake, the Pekin welcomed him because they had all been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus arrived. He was an official in the local synagogue. He threw himself down at Jesus' feet and begged him to go to his home because his only daughter, who was 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went along, the people were crowding him from every side. Among them was a woman who had suffered from severe bleeding for 12 years. She had spent all she had on doctors, but no one had been able to cure her. She came up in the crowd behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and the bleeding stopped at once. Jesus asked, who touched me? Everyone denied him. Peter said, Master, the people are all around you and crowding in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. For I knew it when power went from me. The woman saw that she had been found out, so she came trembling and threw herself at Jesus' feet. There in front of everyone she told him why she had touched him and how she had been healed at once. Jesus said to her, My daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I didn't choose to read you Jairus' daughter. That would have been a better story, right, little girl? 2019, that's what we talk about, right? We talk about kids and stuff. That's our priority. That's where we put our focus as a culture. A little girl died. Jesus was on his way. Somebody asked, will you come? And everyone laughed and said, no, she's dead. And Jesus knew she wasn't dead. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. Otherwise, he wouldn't have bothered making the journey, right? He would have saved his donkey petrol. I don't know, whatever that was back then. He would have wouldn't have wasted his time. So why have I chosen the small mercy story on the journey to the big headline miracle? Because of faith. That woman knew she had tried everything. 
everything. But she'd heard of this Jesus fella. And if I can just go and touch the hem of his cloak, the bit that would have been dragging on the road, the bit that would have been dirty and mucky and probably scattered and tattered and, you know, like you sometimes get at the bottom of your jeans, that bit. That bit. If I can just touch that bit, I'll be healed. And she was. What healed her? The power of Jesus healed her. But her faith made her well. The second story, which is not a King James Version. I don't know why that one's copied in the wrong version. I'm sorry. Was Jesus restored a demon-possessed man? Please don't do that thing today where we, um, we do away with demons and we say, well, that might have been somebody with a mental illness. No, 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 this, that's not what this is. This was a demon-possessed man. Demons are real, so are angels. If you want to fight about it, come and have a chat with me afterwards, I'm good. Okay? Our, our fight is against powers and principalities, not against the flesh and the blood. Yes, there is mental health issues too, and yes, Jesus would have healed them too. But this is not what that is. Don't dismiss this for something that it isn't. They went across to the lake, to the region of the Jerusalem. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him. Not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, in God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Mental health. Illnesses don't give themselves names. Don't know if you've ever done that. I've never talked to schizophrenia or depression. Talk to somebody who has that and suffers from that. My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again not to send them out of the area. There was a large herd of pigs was feeding at a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pig's herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and told everybody, as you would, I think if my 2,000 pigs just jumped off a cliff because some weird prophet prayed out a hundred demons from one man, I'd be writing to the daily something. Hmm, let's not get political. <laughs> I'd post on Facebook. Here we've got a woman with a physical illness, the faith to heal herself through the power of Jesus. Here we have a man, see the contradiction, he ran to Jesus and begged him, don't hurt us. If I met a monster of a man, I wouldn't run to him to beg him not to hurt me, I would run away from him so he couldn't hurt me. Do you ever seen the contradiction there? It means that the man whose body they were in was also still there. He ran 
to Jesus. Legion, the hundred demons, didn't. They didn't want to get hurt. Can you imagine that situation? We don't talk about that so much these days. Let me reassure you of something. Yes, it's a theological point, And yes, I'm willing to fight you on it if you disagree. If you are born again, if you are saved, then you are filled, underlying, capitals, italics, hashtag, whatever you want to do, filled with the Holy Spirit, you cannot be demon-possessed. Because if you are full of something, you cannot be filled by anything else. That's the good news. Doesn't mean you can't be tormented. Doesn't mean something from the outside, an outside influence. How often do we hear, you know, especially in church, the devil did this. The devil is really having a go at us today. Well, I think we give him a bit too much credit sometimes because sometimes it's just that life sucks and the world is a broken place. But sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. Yeah. We had it this week. In this channel, we embarrassed them, but we had it this week where God was doing something amazing. And there he comes. I'm going to give you a sickness bug. So you can do it. Do you know the good that came out of that situation was miraculous? We had people, it was to do with the Alpha Course, we had people that weren't saved claiming that they were praying for us to get better. The Alpha Course hasn't started yet. We have people praying for us that we will get better. We have faith, we're running out of time. Let me read you a third story and I'll bring it to a brief conclusion. This is maybe one more of the mind of the man, the person. It's in Acts 9. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against Jesus, the Lord's disciples, Christians, all of us. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he could find any there who belonged to the way, Christianity, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. This is the champion of the enemy. This is the murderer. This is the Christian hunter. He was crucifying people upside down. Don't want to give you nightmares, but again, why sanitize it? He was torturing Christians for what they believed because they turned away from Judaism. And Jesus met him face on. And said, Paul, Saul, you're doing the wrong thing, mate. I'm Jesus. I'm real. You're wrong. What was that word we used a few weeks ago? Zealous. Paul was a zealous Christian hunter. And when he met with Jesus, he became a zealous Christian. Christian, follower of Christ. Little funny quip for a second. I met somebody this week who said, I describe myself as a Christian. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in church. I think it's all nonsense. I said, well, how can you be a Christian then? I'm British. <laughs> Christian means follower of Christ. So next time you take that little box on a survey, you can. <laughs> okay? Well, I hope you can. You're a Christian.
if you follow Christ. There's a whole load of hurt and pain and suffering in this world. And if you're taking notes, you might want to give this a title. If we record it on the internet, you might want to give this a title. This servant has been called the restorative love of Christ. Because it doesn't matter what pain you're suffering, what pain you suffered, and the truth, the pain you might still suffer. So if you're not currently suffering, just put this in the store banks because it might come up later. We have a Jesus, a Lord, a Saviour, who's going to heal you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to hold you in the palm of his hand and say to his Father, this is one of my people. This is one of my people. I've seen some of the people with the toughest lives in the world going through things that man wouldn't even, you know, if you wrapped up BBC at 9 o'clock in the morning or 10 p.m. at night, it sort of summarises their Monday morning. And I'm for real, I'm not, I'm not quipping, I'm not joking. I know some people that have had some horrendous lives and are still having them, but find comfort in the love of Jesus. I know people that have been abused and misused and hurt and I wish there was a stronger word because there should be because some of the words we use are too sanitized and you go but how can you still be here how can you still be that lovely person that you are and they go I'm not but Jesus is Jesus through me can be that lovely person I am the last person you would want stood in front of you leading your church preaching to you if you knew some of the things I did before I was saved but you are a new creation and Jesus loves you this was not a day of mourning this was not a day of making you think of all the things that you're suffering with but this could be the day that if you are suffering with something we can release you from that so we're going to listen to a song. It's an amazing song. It's a simple song. It makes me cry every time I hear it. And then at the end, we're just going to move really swiftly into like teas and coffee. So as soon as it's over, maybe just take a, a moment to reflect and then get up. I'll be at the back having a coffee. Come and see one of us if you want to talk, if you want us to pray with you. Life is tough. You're not alone. We're here. So is Jesus. That's more important. But let's listen to that song. What would Jesus undo?